0: Forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. It was March 2022, and Leona Tai was in Dublin Airport, waiting to board a flight to Lisbon. Her bag was packed, her boarding pass ready, and her husband by her side. But she didn't have any of the usual pre-holiday jitters, the idea of a week without work and admin, the prospect of a 10.30 a.m. cocktail, or a regrettable airport purchase. And once she touches down in Portugal, the beach will be the furthest thing from her mind. Because Leona wasn't going on holiday. She was heading to Lisbon with one objective only, to find her missing sister. I'm Pandora Sykes and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series produced by What's The Story Sounds and brought to you with help from the charities Missing People and Locate International. They believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is the missing, Jean Tai. Jean had always been a keen traveller. Over the years, she'd crisscrossed the globe, ticking off a laundry list of destinations on both sides of the equator. A quick flick through her passport would reveal stamps from India, Australia and South Africa, to name but a few. More recently, she'd spent a lot of time on mainland Europe, eventually settling in Germany, where she lived for two years. She left following a breakup and by Christmas 2019 was back home in County
2: Cavan with her sister Leona and the rest of the Thai family. So I'm the eldest, then there's my brother, my sister Jean, another brother and another sister.
0: They say you can learn a lot about someone by going travelling with them. After trips to Spain and France, Leona found out
2: that Jean wasn't fond of an itinerary. Very relaxed, very spontaneous. Let's see what happens when we get out there. It was very much, let's take it easy. Um, there would always have to be a beach. There was no way that we were going somewhere without a beach and the sea. And... Um, Jean loved good climates, warm climates. So we always went to places like that and, you know, walked around, took in the area. That That's how Jean travelled. Jean was a free spirit, one who was more than happy to fly solo should she have to. Jean did go travelling alone, but Jean is a good, you know, she's a good person. She's well able to meet new people and to converse. And Jean is quite street smart and is is streetwise and has, has a good idea of, of people has a, and has a good idea of how to communicate and work with people because that's just something we, we learned from a very young age.
0: Jean's ease around strangers stemmed from a long career in hospitality,
2: one that started in her teenage years back in Cavan. We grew up in the hospitality business ourselves as a family in rural Ireland with a pub, a shop and a post office. So Jean was an expert at that type of work because we had grown up in that type of a business and we knew it like the back of our hand. When you grow up in a family business, whatever it is, it's all hands on deck all the time. There was was never an idle moment, you know. So, you know, she was well able to waitress, work in bars, coffee shops, things like that. I mean, none of us are at, for want of a better word, desk jobs, Monday to Friday, nine to five. Jean handled her fair share of problem customers in those days. Jean would have been well able to gauge people and and suss out dangerous situations and things like that. And in some respects, maybe Jean was a bit too confident in travelling. Jean was no shrinking violet. If a situation turned hairy,
0: she was more than capable of holding her own. Something she learned about herself one night in 2013. It was the early hours of the morning, and Jean was in Dublin, walking home from a Gowan's pub on Fibsborough Road. As she made her way over the Cross Guns Bridge, a man emerged from the shadows and grabbed her, threatening to throw her into the freezing waters of the River Liffey unless she gave him her phone and her purse. Jean had no intention of giving up either, and she fought the mugger off. He fled the scene, but not without leaving behind several chunks of his skin under Jean's fingernails. I mean, my
2: sister is well able to manage herself. After finishing secondary school, Jean headed off to college. So my sister did her degree in the University of Ulster, in Belfast campus, in art history, fine art and art history. And then later on in about 2013, Jean did a business certificate in NCI Dublin. Jean did a lot of projects herself on her artwork. And obviously it's not a very it's not a very stable income. So Jean worked in a lot of um worked in a lot of temporary positions. She had you know she had a good work ethic.
0: Leona remembers the last time she saw her sister in person. Jean arrived in Cavin on Christmas Eve 2019. The two of them spoke about Jean's plans for the future.
2: I knew she was finished with Germany, because she had said, like, I won't be going back to Germany. And we, we'd, you know, we were just talking about Germany and the breakup of that relationship. And, you know, what was next.
0: That conversation was the first time Jean brought up the idea of heading to
2: Portugal. So Jean always travelled around with her friend called Tasha, and they've been friends for the best part of 10 years, and she was explaining that, well, my friend, you know, her parents are from Portugal, and Tasha's parents have, um, you know, have a home house in Portugal, and that they'll probably go out there in the new year, herself and Tasha. place where Tasha's from, and that they were staying in, was along the coastline from Lisbon to Cascais, and Tasha's parents' place was in Carcavelos. So that's where, that's how they came to be in Carcavelos.
0: Jean and Tasha touched down in the West Lisbon suburb in March 2020. Just weeks after their arrival, the coronavirus pandemic saw countries all over the world start closing down their borders.
2: And then Tasha had to go back out to the go back to the United States because of the lockdown. And, you know, she had to move back to the United States in case she mightn't get back into the United States with the COVID.
0: After three months in Carcavellis, Jean returned to Ireland in June. But after witnessing the shuttered pubs and restaurants firsthand, as well as the strict social distancing measures,
2: it ended up being a rather short visit. Jean came back to Dublin and stayed for a couple of weeks and then decided, well, if this is the way the lockdown is going to be, I'm going to head back out to Lisbon. At least we're beside the beach in Lisbon. This time, Jean set up camp in
0: Parada, the next suburb over from Carcavellas, and got herself a room in the Help Yourself hostel, the same chain she'd used during her previous trip. On July the 13th, A few days after she'd arrived in Portugal, she phoned her sister. Leona missed the call, but texted Jean back, asking if everything was okay. Yes, fine, Jean replied. That was the last time Leona heard from her sister. Much has been made of the fact that almost half a year passed between Jean's last exchange with her family and them reporting her missing to the Irish authorities. But there are several factors at play to consider. For one thing, Jean was no stranger to dropping everything at a moment's notice and heading to some far-flung corner of
2: the globe. Nothing was planned to a T with Jean. You know, Jean could arrive home or she could go again. You know, so she was always on the move, but her plans weren't set in stone, and and that's how she lived. Secondly, there was still activity on her bank and social media accounts. We knew that she was in communication with her friends on social media because they told us. So, we weren't alarmed. We we didn't, you know, th- there was nothing unusual about this. Jean also wasn't one for keeping her family abreast of her travel plans. There was no big conversations. It was it, there was it's always short and brief with Jean. You know, like, you could never say to Jean, make sure you ring every Sunday or things like that, because Jean would be turn around and she'd be horrified and she'd be like, excuse me, you know, you can't tell me how to live my life. Uh, and like I said, Jean is a young adult, young woman, and very capable. You know, Jean is a very capable person and very resourceful. Leona had a lot on her plate during this time.
0: In 2020, she was a nurse living in New York City, on the front lines of one of
2: the worst COVID epicentres in the world. I mean, it's a bit of a blur now. I think we were doing 80-hour weeks. I'm not too sure. I know we didn't work any week less than 60 hours. We just went from bed to work, bed to work. I mean, work was, was a nightmare because you were top to toe and PPE and you could barely get through the day. You know, the sweat would be just pouring off you. So taking out a mobile phone and all the rest of it was a no-no. Due to travel restrictions, Leona wouldn't be able to return
0: home to cavin for Christmas that year as normal. As the festive season approached,
2: she wondered if Jean would be similarly stranded. I spoke to her friends in December because there was, no, there was no talk or no sign of, you know, Jean saying, oh, well, I'll be in Dublin on this day and I'm coming for this. and And then when I was trying to contact other friends belonging to Jean. Nobody was getting back to me straight away. And even if there were, I still couldn't pick up those messages until I was on a day off or I had a breather. Couldn't get in touch with everyone. We certainly couldn't get proper information from Jean. Uh, no text messages, phone us. And then there was no sign of her coming for Christmas and New Year. Eventually, after months without contact, the family,
0: now gravely concerned, made the decision to involve the authorities.
2: We reported Jean missing to the guards. My sister went to the guard, the station in Navan. That report then was transferred up to Fitzgibbon Street because Jean lives in Glasnevin and that was where the report went to. And that's how we ended up dealing with the guards in Fitzgibbon Street. And they then sent a report to Interpol and to the police over in Cascais, the Portuguese police. Missing persons cases are
0: complicated things at the best of times, but trying to get information from a police force in a different country when you don't speak each other's language was an even more challenging prospect. It was impossible. It was impossible. And on the rare occasions when Leona did manage to make contact with someone,
2: she felt she wasn't getting the answer she needed. You know, we sent a litany of emails, phone calls. We would get terrible responses I would speak to them on the phone I sent through the information to verify I was who I was and I gave permission and we went through all of that that everything was above board for me to speak to them on the phone and they would say oh your sister's gone off to start her own life Leona didn't feel that they were asking too much most of the information
0: they were looking for was basic access to Jean's phone and bank records her social media accounts anything that would help to paint a picture of her movements.
2: What you do is you you submit a request for information with the case number and your police stamp and Meta, Facebook, Google, Instagram. They will release the information because I've asked them myself. I met people who were in similar situations and they said, "Oh, you don't have to go to court or anything like that. You'll get that information. You have to submit a request. I can't do it and you can't do it, but the police can do it. So... um, I asked for that uh, to be done and it hasn't been done. That has not been done to date. I can't give you any information about phone records, bank records, social media accounts, and my sister was on Match.com. Now, I would have thought that that would have been the biggest point of information was Match.com because people meet other people through, through websites like Match.com, through Tinder, through, this, through apps like this dating apps and also uh, meetups you know you have the meetups like to to meet new people when people are traveling and they're in a new area that's how they get involved and with other people and they meet new people so the fact that none of that information has been requested is terrible because i feel that
1: that's huge in the market for investment-worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. After months
0: spent playing phone tag with the Portuguese police, the Thai family decided that they needed to take control of the situation, and they made the decision to hire a private
2: investigator. We gave him all the information. Tasha spoke to him because Tasha has the language, I don't. And he went and did a good, thorough investigation. He was able to tell me that my sister left the hostel on the afternoon of Monday, July 13th, with her handbag on her person. A hostel worker, who I can't mention his name now, a hostel worker told the private investigator that he saw my sister Jean Ty leave the hostel on the afternoon of July, Monday the 13th, 2020, and that Jean left the hostel area with a Brazilian man. Now, I think that's huge information, and she was never seen after that again.
0: Who was this man? Was he a friend? Was he someone Jean had arranged a date with? Either way, there's a strong chance he's the last man to have seen Jean alive. The day before, Jean had booked a flight back to Dublin, due to leave Lisbon a week later.
2: Jean had booked to stay another night in the hostel. She had paid for it that day, paid to stay the night of the 13th in that hostel. And she went off that afternoon with her, ba- with her handbag. She left all her belongings and the, the rest of her belongings in the hostel, which would be natural, her passport and everything like that. So it's safe to say that Jean had in her handbag a mobile phone, wallet, makeup, these things, and she was never seen again. She never came back to the hostel. Now, he has that information. He got that information. He said that taxi drivers, there's a ra- taxi rank right outside the hostel. And he said he spoke to taxi drivers and showed the picture of Jean. And taxi drivers did, did, did recognise her. And a couple of people in local shops recognised her. So he, he found out that information and he did a lot of work. And he submitted that information to the Portuguese police. Emboldened by these findings,
0: Leona kept digging and managed to enlist the help of a Portuguese journalist, Michael Pereira, who wrote for the Expresso. A national weekly newspaper.
2: So I was cold calling, if you like, cold emailing all the journalists in Ireland or Portugal to take up the story, and he was the only one that came back to me.
0: Part of the reason behind the lack of media interest in Jean's case was down to the fact that Jean had never been placed on an official missing persons list in Portugal. So any journalist doing their due diligence wouldn't be able to find any records of a missing person in Lisbon
2: by her name. I needed to get the story out there, and I needed to overcome a couple of, let's say, for want of a better word, rumors that were out out there. So there was one belief in Portugal by the police that, you know, Jean had gone off to start her own life and my thinking was not just my thinking when i say me it's really the whole family and friends people said to me well that's not possible unless you have an awful lot of money because who's going to give you a brand new passport for nothing who's going you know i mean if you want to go and start off a new life you need a lot of planning you need a lot of resources you need you need people to help you to set up bank accounts this you know it it just doesn't happen overnight Now I knew that my sister didn't go to do that because she wouldn't be bothered and there's no two ways about it. She would be like, forget about it. Then there was a belief over here in Ireland that my sister, you know, had mental health difficulties. She was anxious. She had anxiety and that she had taken her own life and that we as a family couldn't accept it. So our thinking again was, well, okay, we can't rule in anything, we can't rule out anything. But number one, where's Jean then? Where's, where's the evidence of that theory? Number two, would you go back to Portugal to do something like that? Would somebody, you know, it, it just didn't add up. The family eventually came to learn that the person who first reported
0: Jean missing was a friend of hers. The man in question was from Angola and had been in regular contact with Jean in Lisbon at the time of her disappearance. Tasha knew him as well, and he got in touch with the police sometime between July 15th and July
2: 19th. But Leona never managed to speak with him directly. But I don't know was that he didn't meet me because maybe he was afraid to meet me, or maybe he was in the country illegally or something. Sadly, he's since passed away. I think he had an underlying condition like diabetes or bad blood pressure and he's personally person he shouldn't have been drinking or smoking and he was doing both. So I think that that's the story. Um, there's nothing suspicious about his death or anything like that. Eventually, in March 2022, after countless
0: emails and phone calls, Leona and several other members of the Thai family made their way to Portugal for a sit down with the authorities. Leona began the trip by taking a walk around Parada, the area where Jean was
2: last seen. I've walked the length and the breadth of it. It's all residential, it's quiet, it seems safe. People don't have anything bad to say about it. She also paid a visit to the hostel where her sister had been staying. I knocked on the door of the hostel when I was out there and I got in the front door. I never got to look around the rest of it and the management of the hostel wouldn't meet me. I asked to meet them, I asked to come back on another date, I wanted to have a look around, I wanted to see, I wanted to speak to them. So they wouldn't meet me and I've had no contact with the hostel since. And I just think that if it was your sister who went missing and wouldn't you at least try to help somebody from another country whose sister disappeared from your hostel? Why are you so evasive? Why are you so cold? Like, my sister disappeared from your hostel. Your employees say that they saw my sister leave this hostel and they were the last to see my sister. So why can't we have a meeting about that, a discussion about that? Then the family
0: had the meeting they'd all been waiting for, a sit-down with the PSP, Portugal's National Civil Police Force, the ones who had taken the report when Jean first went missing over a year and a half prior. Accompanied by her husband, an official from the Irish Embassy and an interpreter, Leona found herself face-to-face with the Chief Commander of the PSP, along with his deputy
2: and four stony-faced detectives. Now, when that report was made, the fact that Jean was a lone traveller will say a young woman, a young foreign woman, a young woman travelling in a foreign country who was reported missing, that report should have went straight to the judicial police in Portugal, and that never happened. The judicial
0: police is Portugal's national crime investigation agency, specialising in serious
2: crimes including drug trafficking, kidnapping and homicide. Who took the report? Where was this report from? Who made the report? You know. What was happening? I was led to believe that because Jean had gone off from the hostel in July and had left her stuff behind, what I was told was that if travellers leave their stuff behind in a hostel, the hostel has to keep the the belongings for three months and then the police come and pick it up or that you have to report that a traveller never came back uh, for their belongings. The men sitting opposite Leona
0: weren't able to provide satisfactory answers to any of these questions. And when it came to the official missing persons report, made by Jean's friend, they said they
2: weren't authorised to show it to the family. He said it was on the system and he couldn't access the system. So I'm sitting in the room with him, looking at him, he's looking at me, and he's telling me with the computer beside him that he can't access the system. And I think I said to him, but the computer is there in front of you. I still can't access the system. And he said to me, you shouldn't be here. You should be. You should have your meeting with the judicial police and the public ministry. You shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be meeting with you. You're not meeting with the right people. I am not the person for you to meet with. He said, you need to get your government and your authorities to, put, to talk to the Portuguese government and authorities said, I can't do that. I don't do that. I'm running a police station. All I can tell you is that our police detectives took up the report, sent through Interpol at the beginning of 2021. We have gone down to the hospital. We can't find your sister. And your sister's case has moved on. And that's who you need to see. And that's who you need to get in touch with. Jean's family returned to
0: Ireland crestfallen. They had seen firsthand just how difficult it was for them as civilians to put pressure on the investigation. And so they got in touch with some
2: people who wouldn't have that problem. Well, we first contacted senior politicians within government in 2021. We wrote letters to everybody there January 2022. And I have to say that our local TD, Brendan Smith, for Cava is fantastic because... Everything now goes through Brendan to his colleagues and other departments. And they have to get back to Brendan. They may not get back to me, they don't get back to me, but they have to get back to him. He's been able to help us to get to get to where we want, to where we are now. Jean's case has now made its way to the very top of the Irish government. We submitted questions to Brendan Smith, that have never been answered by the Portuguese police. And Brendan has submitted those questions to Michal Martin de Tánis, a Minister for Foreign Affairs. And he is going to make it his business to get those questions answered. And that does mean a lot because the Portuguese police may not answer those questions for me or indeed for the Irish police, but they will have to answer them. They will have to send a reply back to the Minister for Foreign Affairs because there ha- these questions have to be answered. I mean, you can't have it that somebody disappears and that the basic information is not gathered in a missing person's case. And the other thing as well, if we don't get the these questions answered, what message does that send out to, to other families? And what message does that send out to people who are working outside the lines of the law. You know, well, I can do this. I'm not going to be caught. Nobody's going to bother looking. Nobody, I, there's going to be no investigation and there's going to be no this and, you know, I can do what I like. There has to be accountability. By the time you're
0: listening to this, Leona will have made another trip to Portugal,
2: this time
0: for a long-anticipated meeting with the judicial police.
2: What they said was, to a liaison officer with the Irish Embassy, they said that we will meet the family anytime they want to meet. So I said, no problem, we'll be over. And they had better be prepared, because Leona has a lengthy list of questions,
0: all of which demand answers.
2: I need to find out exactly, what have you done? What remains outstanding? Like, where are the bank records? Where is the public appeal for information? Where is the social media account records? Who did you speak to in the hostel? Did you speak to the hostel manager? How was Jean living in Portugal? Do we need to review the entire case again? For Leona and the rest of her family,
0: Jean's disappearance and the endless ordeal of dealing with the Portuguese authorities has been a hellish experience.
2: It's having a terrible effect on the family. I suppose one minute you're in denial, the next minute you're in disbelief. And then the next minute you're, okay, this is real and this is terrible. And what can you do about it? You're in a very helpless position, which is, which is very hard to deal with. There is a loss. We're experiencing a loss, but we have no outcome. So there's no closure. This is an ongoing loss and. The lack of information is obviously compounding the loss um, and it's, it's, it's having a devastating effect. This
0: past February, a mass was held in Jean's home parish of Muncher-Connacht for her safe return.
2: It was a lovely mass but it was very difficult and I think since that mass, it's, it's really, you know, hit home to a couple of members of the family. Like this is this is real. I mean, we know it's real, but I mean, this just doesn't affect myself, my father, my brothers and sisters and Jean's friends. It affects our spouses, our our um our extended family. Neighbours and friends, you know. It has a major ripple effect, and that's something that you have to be very aware of as well. I mean, I am very worried for certain members of my other of my family. You know, will they be able to survive it?
0: In many cases, it takes just one piece of information to lead police or family to the answers they crave. If you know what happened to Jean or you remember seeing someone like her on July the 13th, 2020, your information could be vital. Even if you've never heard of Jean Tai before listening to this episode, you could still help. Visit our website themissingpodcast.org, where you'll find more information on this and every other case we featured on this podcast. There, you can join an online movement, one dedicated to supporting the investigations for all the cases we've covered, including the one you're listening to right now. Since the launch of The Missing Podcast, over 300 volunteers have joined community investigation teams led by Locate International. In the UK alone, there are over 12,000 long-term missing and unidentified people. To support LOCATE's efforts and to learn more about the vital work they do, visit locate.international, where you can join the mission to help locate the missing. The series is also made in collaboration with the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. You can reach them by calling or texting 116000 or by emailing them at 116000 at missingpeople.org.uk. We cannot say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Thai family hopes that the information will soon arrive to solve this one. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.